Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, no matter where you're listening, around the world, this is Sedona Talk Radio. Hello everyone, this is Helena Steiner-Hornstein talking to you again, and um, we have announced Tim Link to be my guest today, and Tim is an animal communicator. Now, unfortunately, I don't know what happened to Tim. He is not on the other line, and he came on a little bit, and then he disappeared again. He said he was going to call me from his cell phone somewhere along uh, the road. Uh, He has been working hard today. He is also the president for the Humane Society in Atlanta, so he has just uh, disappeared evidently, and I don't know how to go about it. So uh, we will see what happens. You know, he was on and he disappeared. And I think it's something to do with the, with the switchboard here. It just doesn't come on very well. So in the meantime, we can just start to begin to talk. And I know I have my regular crowd listening. I'm so glad you are there. Please stay on. Give it a chance because I'm sure that You know, Tim was so excited about being with us today, so I'm sure he will try his his utmost to be with us. So um, there we go. So in the meantime, let us just do a little, little meditation and see what goes. And so we begin to relax. And as you know, we always have a little healing meditation. And I even do those things with animals. They love it, do you know? And I have my CD uh, meditation, uh, you know, recordings. And oddly enough, the animals are listening to that. And we have even seen how they have had improvements. So let us just play a little bit of music, of Stephen Halpin's music, and see what happens in the next couple of minutes. Thank you so much. And now you begin to relax and relax and relax now. And know that within you there is a place that knows all and sees all. And that place within you is your higher self. And that higher self within you I'm calling I am the light. And you are so relaxed now. So very, very relaxed. And you begin to let go. And should you be irritated about something, should you feel bad about something, just throw those feelings away and relax and relax more and more and more and more. And you let go now. And you let go of all and everything. And you know that you are a master of yourself. And now this is Tim calling. I know that. Just hang on. Hello? Hello? It does seem it must be the high energy today. He didn't get through that either. So he's trying. I <laughs> know he's trying. So anyway, in the meditation, you just keep on relaxing. And we're going to do this a little bit differently today. There he is again. And you relax and we see what this exciting hour is going to bring. Hello? Yes. So how are you? You don't get through, is that it? Okay. So that's wonderful. Can you call in? Okay. Okay, sounds good. And I, you know, lost all this here because of evidently some problem, whatever the problem is. And uh, I'm going to switch me over to the switchboard again. There we go. Okay, so do try. And I will try to connect with you again, Tim. So hang on, everyone. He's coming. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Okay, there we go. We shouldn't have any dead moments here. So... Again, we got a little interrupted with the meditation, but I know you're not driving cars because you couldn't do that since you're with the Internet. And uh, 
again, if you have any questions, you can call in at area code 347-324-3293 and uh, see how it uh, goes now. No, he's, yeah. Are you there? Hello? Yeah, I heard someone whisper. Are you there? Hello? Elena? Yes. Wow. Here we go. Hey. Are you there now? Will you will stay? You will not be disconnected? I will not be disconnected. Wow. What happened before? You know, it, there's nothing more horrible for a talk host, uh, you know, than <laughs> talk show host than having the guests disappearing just one minute before the show. <laughs> right. It never seems to fail with modern technology, does it? <laughs> it's, it's amazing. And then I got disconnected from my screen and I had to to get in again. But this is the way it is, you know. Everything is energy. And right. I have... I have already introduced you as our animal communicator. And um, also I have told everyone that you are the president of your local Humane Society. And first of all, what does Humane Society do? I know it, of course, but maybe someone out in Europe doesn't know. Sure. Uh, To give you an idea, we are a uh, local no-kill rescue organization. So we rescue dogs and cats primarily and bring them into a safe environment, get them happy and healthy, and get them to the point where we can adopt them out to their forever homes. So we rescue about 500 or more animals each year that are on the streets or are are unwanted by uh, their families or maybe their families can't take care of them any longer. So they bring them to us. We get them all checked out and get them good and healthy and then find them the right homes so they can have a wonderful, wonderful life. This is so wonderful. You know, I have a thing about animals myself, and I have a thing about people who do not treat animals well. It, it makes me look at them as something's really basically wrong with them. <laughs> this, it's like, you know, their, their heart doesn't work properly or whatever. What do you feel about that? Well, obviously, you know, as you were mentioning, we're all made of the same energy. You know, it's the same source energy, whether we are coming down here as a an animal or as a human being. And yes, so absolutely. Have, yeah. So we all have to all work together, and we have to better understand each other and how to live together and work together and love together. And uh, so that's why our animals come to us, and and uh, we're our responsibility as their human companions is to learn from them and to work with them and to love them. And so I yeah. would agree with you. That, you know, They bring a lot of joy into our life, and they're great teachers, and so we need to learn from them just like they, they uh, learn from us as well. Yeah. As you know, I live here in Miami Beach, and when pe- people come and live for a bit, and they get cats and they get dogs, and, you know, they just, particularly with the cats, they just go to the beach and drop off cats there and let them, you know, probably try. They would die unless other people come and feed them. And uh, then, of course, uh, they they try to catch those cats again and bring them over to humane society. But I feel so that these people who try to do this are such good people, and then the other people who try to stop them from doing that say, oh, we should get rid of the cats and starve them to death instead. Right. And that uh, really bothers me, <laughs> you know. Well, it, exactly, exactly. Well, as humans, obviously, we have to be responsible for these creatures. They can't take care of themselves. And that's why it's very, very important for um, the human companion to spay or neuter their animal. Yeah, it and really is. It's very important. So we've got a program, just to let you know, We for feral cats, as you mentioned, these are cats that have been abandoned or maybe were born in the wild or have left their homes. What we do at our Humane Society is um, humanely catch these cats in humane traps. We take them to our local veterinarian, get them spay and neutered, get them their shots, get them all squared away. And then we either, if they're adoptable, we'll bring them back into our system and adopt them out to uh, their forever homes. Or if they can't, and maybe they were wild and born in the wild, we then take them back to a safer environment set up these wonderful feeding stations where every day we put out food and water for them in a sheltered environment where they can come and eat and sleep and drink uh, every single day. And so we make sure that they're not out there starving. You know, so this is fantastic that you do. Is this in Atlanta? 
Yeah, what in the Atlanta in, area? Right. This is in the Atlanta, just north of uh, downtown Atlanta. We're about uh, 30 miles north of the city. And uh, we're finding this out more and more nationwide. There's more and more groups that are starting to put together these type of programs. And it's very vital, especially when you start taking a look at the cats. You know, an average female cat can produce six to nine kittens in a litter, and it yeah. can produce up to three litters per year. Yeah. So it's very quick to, to do the arithmetic to see how this can oh, go absolutely. from tens to thousands. Yeah. So by just a so, simple spay and neuter, you're, you're get them all squared away. Yeah. And now, of course, I know people are waiting for the good stuff, like how do you talk to animals and understand you were not born that way. I've been speaking to animals all my life, but I was kind of born that way. I didn't know this was so unique. <laughs> but animals knew I could communicate with them. How is it with you? When did you discover you could communicate with the animals? Well, I've always been around animals and enjoyed enjoyed them and worked with them, but I never really knew and appreciated how to communicate with them on a nonverbal level uh, until about over four years ago. And four years ago, my gifts started developing uh, to greater and greater proportions. I got more and more involved with groups like the Humane Society and other rescue organizations, so my exposure to animals went up. And each time this happened, I found more opportunities to help the animals, and my communication skills also increased. Yeah. What um, did they say to you? What did they tell you? You know, oh, uh, I'm left behind, or something. Did they tell you what had happened? They tell me everything you could possibly think of. They will let you know everything from what's their favorite treat all the way to what's going on with them. What are they feeling emotionally or mentally or physically? Um, if there's been some behavioral issues in the house, the animal can tell you tell me exactly what's going on and what's caused that. And a lot of times, to be honest with you, it is the uh, dis-ease or the disruption within the uh, the family unit that's causing the issues. Yeah. So what I try to do is identify through communicating telepathically with these animals what is going on with them, make sure they understand what their human companions are expecting out of them, and in return relay that information back to the human companions so they can better um, appreciate and uh, work with their animal, thus bridging that communication gap. Yeah. I understand you also know Reiki and that you work with the animals, you work with the Reiki system on the animals. Do you do that? That's right. So I, I'm a Reiki master, and uh, so Reiki is a form of energy healing that dates back thousands of years. And what I try to do is work uh, my uh, gift of Reiki with the animals specifically to identify what areas are calling, causing them some ailment, uh, areas that are that are sort of uh, out of alignment. Uh, obviously, Reiki works with all the chakras, and we've got to make sure all the chakras are open and clear so that energy flows yeah. in and out of that animal and makes them uh, feel better and mentally, physically, and emotionally. And so the yeah. combination and of the two, is, it works out quite well. That, and, of course, I was almost trying to interrupt you because I know there's always someone who says, what is Reiki? <laughs> you know, I, can't, I don't do Reiki, and I don't know Reiki myself, but, you know, I do healing, but not that way. Uh, but tell me about Reiki a little bit and how you use that for the animals and how, how they like it and what do they say about it. Right. So Reiki is a, a form or modality of energy healing. So there's various modalities of energy healing out there. Reiki is one it's of them. It's a hands-on, isn't it? It's hands-on or hands-off. So when you become a Reiki master, you can obviously provide the energy in person on the animal, uh, doing different hand movements in and around the animal, or you can do it remotely as well. Um, so you can provide the energy from any place at any time and making that animal feel, uh, feel better about themselves and feel healthier about themselves. Yeah. And Reiki dates back to, you know, it's thousands of years. It goes back to the, the times of the monks who, who uh, founded this, this type of energy. Where it was most prevalent was back in uh, World War II. Uh, the Japanese culture learned Reiki, and the doctors there in Eastern medicine learned how to use Reiki as an alternative healing method. And they used it in the hospitals. Um, they used it during, um, for the... Um, the residents who were involved in uh, some of the nuclear events that went on with uh, in Nagasaki and Hiroshima and mm -hmm. used that as a healing modality to help heal their patients in their hospitals. 
So it's a wonderful relaxing method. It, it will tend to open up all the, the chakras, as I mentioned, open up a clear energy flow for the animal, to sort of push out that, that uh, disease or ailment that's going on within them and make them feel um, comfortable. And it's a, a wonderful calming sensation. Uh, usually when I perform it on an animal for the next couple of days, they're very, very calm, very receptive. Um, and they like it. They say thank you. I mean, oh, they, they enjoy it. <laughs> yes, they 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 love it. Uh, as a matter of fact, animals that I, I've seen animals that are typically very hyper, very high strung. Immediately when I walk in the room, they'll lay down and get ready for their reiki. They're wanting to to receive it. Uh, I've seen it out in the fields with the horses. The horses automatically just lay down and are ready for the the reiki yeah. energy to come their way. And yeah, it's very pleasant. You'll find out when I when I usually get close to the end when I've accepted all the energy that they need for that day, they'll either uh, get up and walk away and give me a little lick on the cheek to let me know thank yeah. you for doing this, or sometimes they'll they'll lick or chew on their paws because they feel the energy flowing through and it's a it's a pleasant uh-huh. sensation for them. Yeah. So we get a lot of positive reactions from the animals. I know, you know, I work on animals also in very often long distance, but sometimes when I see the animals, they come up to me, and uh, I haven't said anything why I came to see them, and they just come up and lie down on their backs and say, here I am, work on me. And sometimes I've even had dogs who have barked at me, say, where have you been? You know, get going here. (laughs) (laughs) And they're so genuine, and that's what I love about the animals. They're so direct, you know. And uh, there's no beating around the bush. They just go straight forward, forward, and, and say, "This is what I need." Exactly. And, yeah. So, uh, uh, what I noticed was in the healing of animals, as well as with the healing of human beings, I can go back in the past lives, and I think we spoke about that a little bit. And uh, if you go back in the mind, how shall I say? Actually, I find the past lifetime in a chakra very often which might be something that you could also check into when the one out there. Uh, and once I see an image of that past uh, lifetime and see what was wrong, that I just kind of correct that, and it corrects the situation right here and now. What is wrong with the animal or with the human being? Which is very interesting. Yes, very much so. And, and as you know... Um Whenever we have, if we've not accomplished what we've set out to accomplish, if our mission hasn't been filled during this lifetime, it's very typical for us to come back and try to fulfill that mission. And if we've had struggles in the past, the same thing. Those struggles may be coming back into our present life as we know it, our present form. What's the same thing? Just as you said, it's the same thing for animals. Uh, When they come back, sometimes they're still trying to accomplish what they left behind, and they may bring back some of that, those challenges they've had in the past. So it's up to us as practitioners to try to identify what that is and work with that energy and get it to flow through and tell them it's okay. It's okay to let go of that old baggage and focus on what you're you're here to now uh, trying to accomplish. And, you know, an animal that was mistreated in a previous lifetime, for instance, by men or by a certain kind of man, they will have the same feeling in the beginning of this lifetime until they're seen no this is not in my life anymore I've seen that also but before they realize they don't have the situation here so you can see that side of it as well do you uh, do you work on uh, birds and fish and, and wild animals any animal out there you name it I've even worked on uh, insects anything that oh, really has- Yes, anything that, that is living and breathing and has an energy flow through it. So you can even talk about, when you're talking about Reiki especially, Reiki works with anything that has an uh, energy flowing through it. So whether we're talking mm-hmm. about humans, animals, uh, plants, trees, yes. mm-hmm. all of yes. that is made up of that energy, as you know. Yes. And so I can, from the Reiki standpoint, I can pick up on all that and where the communication comes in is you know, forming that telepathic communication with, with the animal. And, yeah, uh, that's so interesting, and that really makes people think, shall you pull out that can of, of insect spray now? Because, you know, you could actually communicate with that roach, cockroach instead. <laughs> and get them to move on. If you don't want them yes. there, just say move thank out you. To for, that. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Thank you for, for presenting yourself. You're quite magnificent, but I don't need you inside my house. Please go ahead and leave, and uh, we'll find you a nice place outside of the house. And well, that's amazing. nice. Yeah. <laughs> 
you know, that's so interesting. And, and of course, insects, are, they're made to be for something else. I mean, they have a purpose to fill as well. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I remember when, when I was little and, and I lived in the forest part of Sweden, where we had a lot of mosquitoes. And I remember my friend said, why did God create these mosquitoes for us, you know? <laughs> and then I said, oh, they're for the birds, <laughs> meaning it's really for the birds, <laughs> you know, it's food. That's right. And, exactly. uh, you know, we all have to live from somewhere. So uh, they have that purpose, of course, with, with all the buildings coming up everywhere and we are intruding. That might be hard for animals. How is it with fish, uh, you know, not the big fish, but little fish around? You can actually communicate with, this, with them, too? Yeah, as a matter of fact, we had, um, just give you a great example, we have four fish tanks in our lovely abode here in Atlanta, and uh, we were trying to set up a new fish tank a couple of months ago, and two of the angel fish, they were females, they just did not get along at all. And I opened up a form of communication with them explaining to them that if they were to exist, they have to exist together because they're in the same tank. They're not going anywhere. Yeah. And they have to find a way to work together. And what we'll do um, as their human companions, the owners of the fish, is we will make sure that they're treated well and they're provi- provided with a nice clean tank and provided food on a daily basis. But what we expect in return is for them to get along. And lo and behold, you, <laughs> they started getting along. And... Um, so it's just the same thing. They form that same telepathic uh, connection with you, and they understand what's going on. And it is a compromise. It's just like with, with us humans. You know, if we want something yeah. from someone, then we've got to expect to be able to do what they want us to do. So it's yeah. the same thing with the animals. If they're very clear on what you're expecting out of them, they can relay back what they're expecting from you. And, wow, what a wonderful relationship. It has, you know, I remember when I had dogs owned in the house. And then my daughter was going to give me a cat, and I loved that particular calico look of that particular cat. I wanted the cat. And uh, everyone said, oh, you have all those dogs. They were, they, you know, they, it won't work. So I gathered all the dogs around me, and I sat in this chair, and I said, listen, dogs, I'm going to bring in a cat. And they kind of looked <laughs> and explained to them, I'm going to keep the cat. Now, anyone who doesn't like the cat or is going to hurt the cat goes, and the cat stays. You know, they understood that. There was no question about anything. When the cat came to the house, I went back to the same chair, sat there with the cat on my lap, and said, here she is. You can kind of get acquainted. You can sniff her a little bit. And they did, and one was getting a little too fresh, and he poked a little bit, you know, on her ear. And she took, raised her arm and gave him a wallop, you know, and they came over the other dogs as well. And from then on, they knew who was the boss. <laughs> <laughs> and everything was fine. And, you know, the next morning I woke up with all of them in my bed, all legs wow. up, feeling very happy. But that only because I didn't turn it into a situation. I explained to them. Exactly. You hit the nail on the head. I mean, it's just just like if you were to have small children, you have to explain to them what that you're, what the situation is and what you're expecting out of them and not yeah. put out that negative, fearful energy that, oh, my gosh, something's going to happen. If I bring a cat in here, all these dogs are going to come after it. Well, if you're projecting that, then it will happen. But if you're projecting calm energy, that this is a good thing, this cat's coming to your house, and uh, you dogs have to behave, but this is going to be a good good experience for you, then they're going to think it's a positive thing as well, and they'll react wonderfully to that cat. Um, we got a great example here. We just bought, as you can tell, we're, we love our animals here. <laughs> yeah. What do you have at home? What do you have? have well, you? right now right now we have the four fish tanks. We've got uh, two schnauzers, Buzz and Woody, uh, wonderful uh-huh. little boys. And we just introduced a couple weeks ago a small aviarium where we got uh, eight finches flying around. Ah. Oh. Now, a great example is our uh, Buzz and Woody, especially Woody, when they're outside and they see a bird, any bird that's landed on any fence or any perch, they immediately go running for that bird, barking their heads off to get that bird away from the house, get them away from the branches, get them away from the fence. But when we brought the finches home, we explained to them that these are your finches. 
these are part of our family now, and I need you guys to protect these birds and make sure that they're okay and that they live a good, happy life. And you can sit down here and watch them and enjoy them with us, but you can't chase them like you do the birds outside. Uh-huh. And it's been, it's been about three, three or four weeks, and we haven't had any issues whatsoever. This is so fantastic. Do you communicate with your animals at the shelter the same way? Yeah, I do. I spend a lot of time with them trying to get them situated to their new environment. Um, Obviously, they're coming from a stressful situation into a new, unfamiliar environment. They're not sure, uh, in most cases, why they no longer are with their past families, and they're unsure about where they're going next and what's happening. So what I try to do when I visit the shelter is... um, Speak to, to speak to all of them, see what's going on, especially spend some extra time with those that are having some fear issues, uh, some anxiety issues, and, yeah. the, and especially the animals that, and, that um, are what we call you know, a little bit more challenging. Maybe they're a little bit more um, uh, frightened and to the point where they're lashing out. And what I try to do is open a communication with them, tell them what's going on, find out what their needs are, um, try to calm them down, and in most cases, it, it, it uh, we get them to a place where they're a lot more comfortable until we can get them adopted out. Yeah. Why do you feel they lash out? Is it maybe they are disappointed, or they want to pay back, or they they don't know? I think a lot of times it's just like us humans. If we're not, if we don't understand, we lash out. Yeah. And so, if they've been dropped off by their previous family, and that family didn't explain to them why they were there and why they were they could no longer live with them, then they're confused about what's going on. And now they're surrounded by a lot of other dogs and cats that maybe they've never been exposed to before. They're surrounded by people they're not familiar with. So their reactions um, in a lot of cases are going to be one of two things. They're either going to be scared and they're going to crawl into their little shell, which makes them hard to adopt because everybody wants to adopt an animal that you know is excited and happy and yes. wagging their tail. Um, or they're going to lash out in fear and thinking that the only way I can survive this situation is to be aggressive and to, and to show, uh, you know, very aggressive emotions. And so thus I, I try to work with them to calm them down and to explain to them uh, what's going on and also try to understand what they need. And, and sometimes it's as simple as we put them in a, uh, one of the dog runs at the end of the building, uh, and they don't like it because they can't see what's going on. So we move them to uh-huh. one of the runs that are like in the center where they can see everything that's going on yes. and, they be, and they become much more accepting to the situation. Yeah, and this is a, it, when I tell, I tell people when they get new dogs and so on, I said you have to have a seat by the window. They like to look out and it's, they, animals want to know what's going on. Exactly. Every, every living being wants to know exactly what's going on and when we don't, we get confused and frustrated and uh, you're right with the dogs, especially. You know, yeah. they they want to see what's going on. They want to be part of it. And, uh, and do you uh, feel any difference between dogs and cats and horses? They're usually the ones you work on, isn't it? Right. Uh, well, as far as um, you know, I, I get different emotions from them, different feelings, different uh, thoughts and comments, tastes and feel. But it's not mm-hmm. based on it's not based on the the, uh, the gender itself. It's not based on whether they're male or female, and it's not based on whether they're a cat, dog, or horse. It's all individuals, and yes. it's just like us humans. You know, we all have one. You know, we may be female, or we may be male. We may be a certain race. Uh, we may have a different uh, ethnic background. But in reality, we all have our own unique personality. And we have to learn to, to uh, show our unique personality and have people accept our unique personality. And that's the same thing with the animals. Uh, so you really have to talk to them on a one-on-one basis and really understand who they are. Yeah. And uh, one thing I have noticed, I don't know if you feel the same way, of course animals want to be understood, but they want a certain respect. Haven't you noticed that? <clears throat> they yeah. like to have respect. You know, between them, you know, who is the leader of the pack, so to speak? Who is who's the number one? But then from people also, they like a certain respect. And you, I've had Dobermans, and they were very much into being treated with respect. If yeah, they've done some wrong, I could reprimand them, but it had so, still to be with a certain respect. 
you do. I mean, it, it's uh, every living creature needs a, a certain amount of or needs respect. You know, they have to. People have to appreciate uh, who they are and what they are, and uh, treat them accordingly. And so, just because they're a dog doesn't mean that, that you treat them with any less respect than you would uh, another animal or, or another human being. And yes, if you treat them with respect, you treat them with love, you give them jobs to do to make them feel fulfilled in what they're doing, uh, you mm-hmm. understand them and what their mission is, then you're going to have a very, very good relationship with that animal and a long, loving life with them. And if you don't, then you're going to have, that's where the challenges come in. I feel, Tim, you have so much good wisdom to share with us. Uh, where can we find you on the Internet? What is the name of your website? Sure. Well, thank you. Uh, the website is www.wagging-tails.com. That's W-A-G-G-I-N-G-T-A-L-E-S.com. And, uh, you know, I always say every animal has a tail on their more than glad to tell you about it. Yes. You know, I myself uh, have a dog. Actually, she's the family dog. She's not with me right now. But uh, we picked her up, or she picked us up, I would say, on the yeah. island of Mallorca in Spain. And this was a highly bred dog, you know, pedigree. But um, uh, someone had just dropped her in the street in Palma de Mallorca, a big city among the cars and restaurants and everything, and she kind of survived among the restaurants where the tourists kind of threw her things. And then she met my family, and she liked them. She seemed to like children. And uh, then they left, and she she went with them. And uh, uh, she wasn't supposed to go with them, but anyway, when my daughter, you know, when you have children, it takes time before everyone gets into the car and you unlock the doors and everything. When she opened the door, there sat the dog, <laughs> right in the middle of the back seat. And, of course, that dog stayed. And she was the best dog, you know, you can imagine. Absolutely wonderful with children and so smart. But, of course, determined to have everything her way. <laughs> but it it was just that she decided these people are good people. I'm going with them. And she picked them. And then afterwards, this street dog, so-called, she was put on an airplane and sent to Miami and then to Naples and Florida, you know, to be with family. And now she's up north. And last winter, she didn't like the winter. So my daughter sent her down to me here in Florida so the dog could spend the winter in Florida. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, this is the way she communicates with the family and she tells everyone what she likes and what she doesn't like and they seem to pick up on it but i saw that she actually was owned by a family and they had a little child a little daughter with blonde hair and they had they just uh, left her they were going back they were tourists evidently and just left her in the street to to live on her own and in that happens a lot in that particular island because there are many tourists there and they pick up those cute little kittens and puppies and they keep them for, for the summer or for half the year when they live there. And then they go back to their Nordic countries and they just drop the animals. Mm. And this, yeah. That's, uh, yeah, yeah that's, a, that's a shame. Well, it's a, that's a fantastic story, and you're right. The animals always pick us. We, we think we pick them, but they, they have a mission and purpose. In this case, it, it's obvious that uh, uh, this dog was a caretaker for children, and so when there's, they were introduced back into that situation, it was very easy for this dog to find, find uh, their particular role within the new family. And, uh, yeah, people have to realize, you know, these, these are uh, sentient beings. These are loving creatures. And they're not just to be treated as property and discarded up when you're done playing with them. Yeah. Um, it's a responsibility you have to take, but you're going to get great, rejo- uh, great uh, joy and uh, uh, feeling good about yourself if you do take care of them. I haven't seen, and my screen is black here, um, I haven't seen anyone call in, and I'm a little surprised, but I noticed that so many email me afterwards and say, you know, can I... Can you answer this question? And it's like many are almost afraid of calling up to be on the ad. And I must say, I was that way in the past. I would never call up anyone on the ad. And once I did by mistake, and I 
you know, I was getting so embarrassed, I would hang up immediately. <laughs> and uh, so anyone who wants to call up and get over that little uh, shyness, because I know lots of people are all interested in the subject, area code 347-324-3293 is the call-in number. And uh, is there anything that animals, you know, our pets hate more than anything with us? about us human beings. Yeah, I, th I think what they, uh, there's two things. One, when we don't listen to them, because <laughs> though they don't speak in words like we do, verbal words other than barking, uh, they yeah. speak telepathically, but they're desperately trying to teach us things and trying to tell us things about what's going on. And so we have to listen more to our animals. Have to listen to them, yeah, because they're yeah. one. They're, they're there for a purpose. They're they're wonderful teachers. They can tell you exactly what's going on, and a lot of times they'll tell you what's going on with you, because they can feel yeah. your vibrations. Whether it's a very you're in a happy mood or whether you're you're feeling, feeling sorrow or anxiety, they'll tell. Oh you. yes, they know. Mm -hmm. exactly. And they can, you know, when they they are the ones to lick off your tears, and we all know that when we have pets that they are there for you and they cuddle up with you when you're not feeling well or happy and that's so wonderful about the unconditional love you get from animals so um, number one we should listen more to, to our animals and we should try to pick up on what they're saying make more of an effort is that it Make more of an effort, exactly. If you, you'll be amazed if you just sit down and listen to them and watch them and, and caress them. You'll find out what they're feeling, and you'll be able to pick up on what they're trying to tell you, and they'll definitely show you if there's some things going on with you that maybe you just didn't, hadn't taken the time to sit down and, and analyze what's going on with you. They'll teach yeah. you those things. Yeah. Um, I think the other thing and, that and the other I, thing, yeah, sorry. And the other thing, the number two thing that we should uh, that they don't like about us. Well, the number two thing is uh, it sort of ties in with your comment about treating them with respect. Um, yeah. They they don't like when we leave the house and not tell them what's going on or where we're going. Yeah. So I always tell people this is sort of my cardinal rule number one is when you leave the house, whether it's going to the mailbox or whether it's going on a vacation somewhere, going on holiday, you need to tell your animal, your pet, your companion, um, where you're going. So I'm going to Miami this week. Yeah. Where, mm -hmm. when, when you'll be back. So I'll be back next Saturday, which is the 14th, around 6 p.m. And then you tell them, this is the most important part, Tell them what they should do while you're gone. Give them a oh, job. Oh, that's so good. Yes. Oh, that's so wonderful. So make sure that they know that. And the job can be as simple as be a good boy or lay there, you know, and yeah. uh, uh, don't get in the, you know, lay there and be a good boy or watch the house while I'm gone. And just assign them a job or two. That way they know um, what they should be doing while you're gone. Yes. I always say take care of everything, look after the house and so on. And uh, they know that. But then, you know, our dog, you know, the little Mallorquin dog, she says, no, I'm not staying here. I'm coming with you. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you will and get she that. Has that, you know. <laughs> and then we have to get into discussion about that. And sometimes, you know, we, it's not so nice to have to go through that. It's just like a sport child, I suppose, isn't it? It is a lot like having having children. You know, you really do have to uh, make sure they're clear on what uh, you expect out of them and what they can expect out of you. And sometimes they won't agree with you. And believe me, it's harder to talk to your own animals than to someone else's animals because <laughs> they yeah. listen to you. It's like your children. You know, sometimes your children don't quite listen to you because they know what buttons they can push and what they can get away with. Compared to if you speak to somebody else's child, they're more apt to listen to what you have to say. Yeah. Um, but it's important. It's important, especially when you're talking about the anxiety level. You know, animals have a great deal of anxiety, especially when their human companions aren't with them. And so by just simply explaining where you're going, when you'll be back, and what you expect out of them, you'll come back to a much calmer situation when you come back home. Yeah. No, it's And, uh, you know, uh, also my, my okay dog, if we have been away too long, she goes to the kitchen and throws out the garbage. Uh, and she knows we we will she will get our attention, and she knows we will get the message. <laughs> and this happens all the time. So um, 
Maybe she was brought up a different way or the dogs in Spain have a different way of getting around things. But, you know, it's funny. She keeps on doing that. So you need to sit down and talk with her and tell her uh, Yeah, we have to talk about that. Exactly. (laughs) Why she do it and please don't do it. And here's what I'll do to try to help you out a little bit. So, yeah, you do have to have a conversation with them to, to keep them, uh, keep a good relationship going. Yeah. Is it important to play with your pet from time to time, even if they might be adults? It is very important to play with them and have interaction on a regular basis with your animal. And that can be anything from walking them. Uh, take, if it's a dog, taking it to a uh, dog park. There's more and more cities that are having these dog parks where they can socialize with other animals. Um, taking them um, playing with their favorite balls or their favorite treats in the house, or just simply sitting there and petting them and having interaction time with them or love time with them. Um, Obviously, with the interaction and keeping them active, it's just like us humans. You know, if we become what we call here in the States couch potatoes, where all we do is sit around and watch the TV and don't exercise, we don't get out, we don't interface with other people, then our bodies start to feel the negativity of that. We, our yeah. bodies become sore and stiff and we get ailments and we're not uh, emotionally challenged or, uh, um, you know, when we really start to, to devolve into something that we, it's hard to get back out of. Well, it's the same thing with animals and, and especially with your dogs and horses. If you're not exercising them on a regular basis and you're not challenging them mentally, then they're going to slowly, their bodies are going to start getting sore and stiff. They're going to have more prone to ailments. Uh, mentally, mm-hmm. they're not going to be as stimulated and feel good about themselves and what's going on. And uh, so I think it's very important to exercise and very important. To uh, well, them. it is. But I was thinking so many people don't ex- want to take that walk. They don't want to exercise because they're not used to walking too long. Whereas maybe a dog needs a little bit extra walk. The human being who owns the dog is not willing, willing to take that walk. Right, and that's a, it's a very negative thing, and you're absolutely right with here in the States especially. We just, we hate mm-hmm. walking, you know. It's, uh, yes. you know we, we'll, we'll pull into our local uh, coffee shop and get a coffee, and, and yeah. the store we want to go to is two doors down. We'll hop back in our cars and drive to the next store. And yeah. um, So you're, you're absolutely right, but uh, we need it as well as they do. So, you know, if you're in a, a situation where you can get out and walk your dog on a, on a daily basis, it's going to make you feel better about yourself. You're going to be healthier. You're going to be more emotionally stimulated. You probably will run into people, other people walking their dogs so you can form relationships there. And so it's a very positive thing, and it's very important for us as well as our animals to keep uh, keep active and keep stimulated. Yeah. How often now, let's say you have a dog at home, how often do you feel people should take it out? a walk? It depends on their situation. You know, I think an animal has to, I know we're all busy with life and a lot of us have to commute to our, our jobs and our work and so it makes it more of a challenge. But I think that, you know, it's healthy for them to, a minimum, if you can get them out, obviously first day in the, first day in the morning and take them for a, a walk, let them back out and take them for a walk when you get home at night. And then if you can have one more before you go to bed, uh, just to burn off any excess energy. Uh, that's probably a, a good uh, three times a day would probably be a good um, yeah. good scenario. But it depends on our situation. You know, we live off of a fairly busy street, but we've got a wonderful big back garden area. It's about a half an acre area that's all fenced mm-hmm. in. So admittedly, I don't get to walk my dogs very often. Now, they're not very, to be honest with you, not very good on the leash, and that's my fault for not training them properly. But the backyard is our time. And we go out yeah. multiple times a day, and we enjoy the sun, and they get to run around and learn, you know, enjoy the nature. And so we're letting them out and getting them exercise on a regular basis by doing that and stimulating them with all the uh, the toys and the activities going on outside. Uh, so you know, we... I had, yeah, sorry. None of <laughs> Now I just wanted to say with uh, dogs and being in the yard and so on, I remember when I had three Dobermans at the same time, three females, which took a lot of, you know, talk on my behalf. But I remember once they got into some kind of frustration and they tore apart several palm trees at the base. And the palm, this was like beavers in a way, only they shedded the palms at the base. Now, uh, I didn't quite understand what was going on, but it was because I think I had an addition that was of a third Doberman that the others had a little trouble 
understanding. And so I called up a man, I called him my dog, Shrink, who was specializing in Dobermans, and he spent a day with the Dobermans, and that took everything away. And he said, oh, they're just brats, all of them. They just have to follow rules. And he said, I told them a few things, and everything was fine. So I feel people like yourself and maybe myself, I don't specialize in animals, but uh, you know, I specialize in human beings. But when you know human beings, you also know animals. We're all part of the same. And it's with plants, too. You know, plants are telling you, oh, now I need water, and now you need this and this. And We don't listen. So uh, I think people like yourself are so important in our world to communicate with the rest of us that I would call our pets. They are the rest of us. You know, they are part of us, and we are part of them. And we should all try to get along together, everyone. Is there anything you would like uh, to add on? We come towards the end here. This has been so nice, Tim. I would love to have you on again, if you could. Yeah, and uh, tell me some cute animal story before we end up here. We had, um, we had. Uh, I have a friend of mine that has two cats. Uh, one is uh, a black cat with white boots, and the other one's a black cat, a pure black cat, all the way through. And the black cat with the white boots loved getting into the house plants. She loved uh, the, the house was full of plants inside of it. Uh, my friend loves dealing with, with nature and dealing with the plants, and she has quite a few of them inside of her house. Well, the cat would constantly rub against these plants and knock them over or chew on the leaves, which sometimes does not depend on the plants, not healthy for the animal. So I had suggested her to put them up, you know, as many as she could, up off the floor onto the counters, and I'll talk to the cat to make sure that um, she doesn't get into the plants any longer. So she did that. She followed this advice, and you know, about three or four weeks went by, and no evidence that um, the cat had been up on the counters and gotten into the plants again. Everything seemed to be just as we had talked about. And then, lo and behold, one day, my friend calls me and says, "My cat, the one that likes rubbing against the plants, has a small cut or something on her lip, and she's got some sort of infection in there. But all the plants are off the ground, so you know, the cat, she's never in the plants." I never see her in there. Um, what can what could be going on here? So I talked to the cat to find out what was going on, and she was trying to deny that she was ever in the plant <laughs> and anything going on. And as we continued to we continued to peel back that onion and and find out what the real truth was, we found out that the cat, yeah, she did not get on, into the plants the entire time her mommy was at home. But as soon as mommy left the house. Uh oh, it was cat time. Climb up on the counters, rub against all the plants. And in this particular case, she rubbed against one that had a a, a, a little bit of a limb sticking out of the bark. The bark was sticking out, and she cut her lower lip. Ah. And so she showed it to me, and at that time, she was busted. She knew she'd been caught red handed. Uh-huh. Cat paw in the cookie <laughs> jar. <laughs> and she's. And she started laughing. She was just laughing. She thought it was the funniest thing in the world because she didn't think anybody would catch her. And her mommy thought there was no way possible that she would get up on those counters to get onto those plants. And uh, so lo and behold, I have have another conversation with her about leave the plants alone. That's how you got cut, and that's how you got your little injury. And so far, so good. She hasn't gotten back up on the counters. But uh, she thought it was the funniest thing in the world that she tricked her mom and could get up there without her mom seeing it. Yeah, well, they are that. You know, when I've, uh, I know how when I grew up and we had cats and dogs, of course, and how we couldn't understand what happened to the food that was lying on the counter in the kitchen. But then we found out, no, the cat jumped up and kind of pushed everything down. And these were big things like turkeys or something and pushed everything down on the floor and there the dogs would get it. And it disappeared, of course. There was, that would be the perfect crime. There was, wouldn't be even a bone left. <laughs> exactly. So, but, you know, how they cooperated so nicely. Oh, definitely. And they usually try, if you watch them and you have a conversation with them, the one that was the culprit usually tries to blame the other dog or cat. <laughs> so they don't get caught. <laughs> they try to push that blame down. Yeah. And there's a one. 
there's a wonderful commercial that came on a couple years here in the States about, uh, I believe it was with Polaroid, who has the instant camera, instant film camera, mm-hmm. and it showed this dog getting on the counter and eating most of the sandwich. And as their human companion, their owner, walked in, was walking towards the kitchen, the dog quickly pushed the plate and the, the rest of the sandwich onto the ground in front of the cat, grabbed the Polaroid oh. and took the picture. <laughs> That's so good. <laughs> yes. So you got to watch them. They're tricksters, too. They'll, if they can put the blame on somebody else, they'll, they'll try to yes. do that. You know, it's uh, once we understand the animals, isn't that wonderful what happy little stories we can tell each other about instead of the others who try to, you know, be mean to animals or, or you know, when people live in, in, in cities or in villages, how someone loves a dog and the others the neighbor might hate their dog and so on. And I think that's so sad when it's such a lovely little thing to have have a, a good relationship with your animals and with other people's animals. Don't you think? Well, exactly. Oh, I definitely think so. You know, they, they're they're here for uh, our enjoyment and our love and their teachers and, you know, they're, they're living, breathing creatures just like we are. And so we have to appreciate them, understand the joys that they can bring us, if you find an animal that's in your area and you think, oh, geez, here's just another you know, stray dog or stray cat, take a step back and think about it. How can you po- turn this into a positive situation? How can you help that animal out? And in return, you're going to feel much better by helping that animal out, whether you're feeding it, whether you're getting it into a better home, or you're turning it into one of your rescue shelters to get them into a better forever home and get them healthy. You can turn that into a very positive situation, and you're going to feel much better in yourself about yourself and what's going on than if you just get upset and you throw stuff at the animal and you just you know send out yeah. negative energy it's out. So to true. Animal. You will feel so much better about yourself, and remember that everyone. When you give, you are given back, and this is so nice with animals. And uh, I'd like to speak to you again about animals, one way or the other, and see if more people will uh, not listen because I see there are many, many listeners and there will be many more in the archives. So please, Tim, uh, give us your website again and um, uh, any other way people can get hold of you. Of course, through the Humane Society in Atlanta. Right. So you can uh, the best way to find out what I'm doing and uh, a little bit about how I got involved in all this you can check out the website, which is www.wagging-tails.com. That's W-A-G-G-I-N-G-T-A-L-E-S.com. And I'll give you all my information uh, about my background and what I'm doing, my recent events, and uh, how I got involved in all this. Uh, I encourage people to, if they're looking for uh, a new companion, a new animal companion, take a look at your local rescue groups and your local shelters. There's a lot of wonderful animals in there. There are rescue groups for non, what I call non-traditional domestic animals as well. So if you're looking for a, a snake or a ferret or a bird, whatever it may be, there are rescue groups out there that are um, helping out these animals and they're looking for great homes. And I'll put a plug in for one of my favorite websites, which is PetFinder.com, P-E-T-F-I-N-D-E-R.com. And you can go on to PetFinder and you can type in whether you're looking for a dog or cat, what kind of breed. You can type in your your zip code or area code or your country code to uh, identify uh, where the closest uh, shelter or closest animal uh-huh. is to your location. And PetFinder, can people who find pets, you know, uh, uh, without owner, can they they put the pet up on on on, on that uh, website. Yeah, for Can anyone go in and? Yeah, they, uh, Pet Finder, they work with organizations, so you as an individual oh, uh, can't post your animal. What you can okay, do that's is what identify, I wanted to know. Right, but you can identify that you're, uh, by using Pet Finder, you can identify your local rescue groups, and they, in turn, can put it on there for you. So they can okay. either put it into their system, or you can yep. be a foster home and be a foster home for this animal, and they can post it on there, and you can take care of this animal until um, Very good. Be adopted. Yeah. I thank you, Tim Link, so very much, and I'm saying goodbye to you. The last couple of minutes here, we will do our little stretching and healing meditation. You know, sometimes it's a little longer. Today will be a little shorter. <laughs> we started in the beginning, but it got disrupted, so 
I'm so glad, Tim, that you did find us in the end and that the telephone lines were working. And I'm glad my voice that has been cracked up for a few days is almost uh, working, but not quite. It's been a little bit tough (laughs) with some tea on my side. It it has kind of worked somewhat. And um, again, I would like to mention my website. It's uh, either www.faithhealing, F-A-I-T-H-healing.com, or Body Soul Connection, or the main one, which is Speaking to Your Heart, Dot com. And my name, again, is Helena Steiner-Hornstein. I have a couple of books there, a few meditation CDs, and I'm meeting with you here on Tuesdays at 3 o'clock, 3 o'clock p.m. In, uh, in the United States on the East Coast, in Europe, that will be right now. We are a little ahead of you in, in uh, the States. We have changed to summertime, which you haven't done in, the, in Europe yet. So it, I think it will be 8 o'clock still in Europe. And on the East Coast, it's going to be 12 noon. So I thank everyone and the ones who want to stay for the meditation. Please do so. And, Tim, thank you so very much again. Thank, thank you. you. And see you next Tuesday, everyone. Thank you. And now you take a deep breath and relax. And you take another deep breath and relax more and more and more. And you feel how your whole system is happy and so at peace. And you know that within you there is a place that knows all and sees all. And that is your inner light. That is the truth of the one you are. And that truth of the one you are is your very, very best friend. Love the one you are. Love your world. And begin to send some light from your heart to all those around you. To all and everyone animals around you, to the ones close to you. Yes, you are now filling yourself with this unconditional loving light, and you are so relaxed now, so very, very relaxed, and you are letting go of all and everything. You brush off any kind of idea or thought doesn't belong to this very moment. You take a deep breath. And when you breathe in, you breathe in wonderful, beautiful peace. And when you breathe out, you breathe out of what doesn't belong anymore. You are so at ease. And now you imagine yourself in a beautiful garden. That garden is all yours. Everything you see and notice around you and perceive around you, you have created in your own imagination. You are so relaxed now. And now one wish is going through your mind. This is a good wish. A good wish for you and a good wish for everyone around you. And now you just take a hold of that wish. And you just decide that all and everything that you wish for right now is going to come true. You are so relaxed. So very relaxed. And now on the count of seven, you're going to open your eyes again. Number one, number two, number three, number four. You love the light around you and about you. Number four, number five, number six, 
And now, number seven, you open your eyes and you stretch your body and you feel so good about you. And I thank you so very much for being with me today and for being with Tim Link and for listening to Stephen Halpern's beautiful music at www.innerpeacemusic.com. Thank you so much. Bye-bye.